Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Still dealing with session 22, as it were, the prosperity of the soul, part 2. Um, and this particular session is entitled, Obedience to God's Word Brings Rest, Peace and Prosperity to the Soul. Right? Obedience to God's Word Brings Rest peace, and prosperity to the soul. We've been looking at 3 John verse 2, where John prays a prayer, Beloved, I wish that you, above all things, that you prosper in all respects and that you be in good health even as your soul prospers. And we said that the soul must prosper for you to prosper in all other respects, according to that verse. Prosperity in every other dimension is dependent upon soul prosperity. And uh, we said in that context, the Greek word for prosperity is yodu, which means to journey or to go along a path, to leave a destina- your point of, desti- of, of departure and to arrive at a place of destination, a predetermined place, a God-determined place, which in our context for this study we are defining as rest for the soul. The place of prosperity that you need to reach for your soul is a place called rest for your soul. Part of that involves the soul blindly following the leading of the Holy Spirit via your spirit. So when your soul is at rest, is when your soul can obey the leading of the Holy Spirit via the word of the Lord in and through your human spirit. When your soul can bow down to that dictate, your soul will come into compliance and alignment with God's order for your life. And you will find rest. Rest for the soul can never ever be found outside of obedience. Obedience is the way in which you will get rest for your soul. And when your soul is at rest, it will prosper. When your soul prospers, you will then prosper in every other respect. You prosper as your soul prospers. Your soul prospers if it reaches the place called rest. You will reach the place called rest by simply obeying the principles of God's word. Obeying the commandments that issue forth from your spiritual father. You will come, you will, you can cut short your strife. You can cut short your levels of striving in the flesh to get results simply by inclining the ear. Listening, stretching out, bending the ear, as the Hebrew says, bending the ear to hear, catching the frequencies of the Lord, listening to your spiritual father specifically. I'll talk about that maybe next week or the week thereafter. I'm amazed, been studying, I've always knew that you must obey the words of your spiritual father and that obedience to his voice is key to your victory. But I never ever saw it in reference to the light of the rest that God has for the soul. And a couple of scriptures have just been unveiled to me just this week, and I'll share those with you soon. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, stop striving. Stop um, employing human endeavor 
outside of the economy of a biblically revealed way of doing it. You want to do it your way. But I say to you, live holy. If you say, well, I'll, I will still accommodate and carnal sexual thoughts in my mind. I'm saying, it's fine. If you want that, carry on. But you will never ever come to this place that we are talking about. I'm saying there's, there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death and destruction. If you are not still faithful to your spouse in every respect, you will never come to this place called rest for the soul. Forget about prosperity. If you're still lying, if you're still misrepresenting facts, if you're not living holy, circumspect, and a pure life, this exercise this morning will be nothing more than an academic exercise in biblical studies for you. Unless you internalize, unless you stop yourself in your tracks and say, I better get my act together. Otherwise, I'm simply engaged in mental gymnastics at this church. I have to start putting, putting the stuff into practice. I said this to you on Friday. Try it for a month. Stop what you're doing. Listen to everything we are saying. Simply obey and see what kind of rest you will come into. Absolute rest for your soul. Jesus said, page two of your notes, Come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. All ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and I am and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The soul needs to find rest. The soul needs to find rest. Rest, the domain of rest, is expressed within the sphere of the soul. Your spirit doesn't need rest. Your soul needs rest. Right? Your spirit naturally will tend towards the things of the Lord if it's renewed, regenerated. Your soul needs to be brought in alignment with what's happening in your spirit. Jesus said, you will find rest for your, find rest for your soul. Repose, tranquility. Um, and we said, based on this verse, there are two kinds of rest. One that is found, and one that is given. The rest that is given must be received. The rest that is found must be sought out. Jesus said, if you come to me, you look at the table there, if you come to me, you will find rest. So the person of Christ will give you rest if you come to him. But then he says in, in verse 29, if you learn of me, you will find. In the one verse he says, I will give you it. In the next verse it says, you must find it. The person of Christ gives you rest. The principles of Christ permit you to find rest, to access rest. That is where we are. So how is rest accessed? Rest is accessed through discovering and obeying the principles of God in and through his word. We said, if you look on page three, just quickly, I'm not going to go through all of the scriptures now, but uh, we went through all of this on Friday in detail. We said in God's creative account, he made the world in six days, six epochs of time. He made a day which he called the, the seventh day, the Bible says, which he called rest. And he entered into his rest, never to come out of it. Right now, God is in a sphere, spatial sphere of existence, if you would, called rest. Right? He functions from that position called rest. Everything he does in the earth, is from the position called rest. Scripture says after he finished his work. So after he finished, he went into 
rest. Never to work again. So cessation from work allows you to enter into rest. But you can't enter into rest until you've worked. Right? So he, and what was his work? His work was, yes, uh, creating the earth and all the planets and everything on the earth, including man. And what does he do? He sets everything to function by a predetermined fashion. He programs everything. Right? So we say the law of gravity says if you drop an object, it will tend towards the center of the earth. That's a law that God has established. If I leave something now, it won't go up. It will go down. Why? And God doesn't get off his throne saying, Reynolds is about to drop the mic. Let me ensure it falls to the ground. He's in total conformity to the laws that oh, if he engages that action, the result is guaranteed because I set a principle in the earth that we, you can predetermine the outcome because a, a law is governing the action. Right? So the farmer takes a seed and plants it in the soil. Under the right conditions, a plant will grow. What does, the plant, what does the farmer do? Does the farmer, after he plants the seed, go and fast and pray every night that that seed grow? Right? Doesn't spend unnecessary time in prayer. All he does is, to guarantee the outcome, he accessed a principle that God put in the, a principle that God put in the earth. Let me ask you this. If you give, you will receive. Why? That's a principle that God installed into the planet. Everyone who gives will receive. We don't give to receive, but as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time will always persist. That's Genesis 8 verse 12. God says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time. The law of sowing and reaping will always be attendant with the, with the, with the earth. So God now is in rest. Thumb often says it, God is not working now. He's not work, working because he is in rest. But yet he does work, but not in the way that we understand it. He is at work by simply you activating principles that is installed in the earth. So you access the principle that he programmed the earth with, you get the result. So it says God worked. Right? So God is in absolute rest. And he's saying, literally I don't need to do anything for my people if they just learn my principles. And they, they just obey my principles. They will get my results. Hmm? And that is the principle of rest. Now, if God functions like that, Hebrews says, there remains a rest for the people of God. Because as he who works, sees from his work, enter his rest, Hebrews says, so must we. Amen? So, repeat after me, enter my rest. Now, let's apply that practically. If God did that, how can I enter the principle where I'm not striving all the time to generate certain results in my life. All I do, I must ensure that in my life, there are certain principles and plans that I, I install, I program my life with, that certain outcomes are almost guaranteed so long as the principle is active and observed. Okay, so long as the principle is, is active and observed. That comes by simple obedience. Jesus said, you'll find rest when you learn of me. Everyone say learn. So learn means discover a principle, right? Discover how the thing works, enact the principle in your life, and the results will be guaranteed. To the merciful, I will show mercy. God, that's a law governing the earth. God says, if you are merciful, in the day when you need mercy, I will show it to you. So how do I get mercy? I will just practice being merciful. God says, what you sow, you shall 
What you sow, you shall, you shall reap. The outcome is, is guaranteed. They that give tithes and offerings, the devourer is rebuked for your sake. Just something that happens when you engage a principle, something is, is activated within your life. Otherwise, if you don't do it God's way, everyone say God's way. If you don't do it God's way by observing God's principle, you will try to do it your way, and your way is always harder than God's way. Because your way, you're going to have to generate your own results, maintain your own results, work by the sweat of your, by the sweat of your brow to ensure that the results are attained. But I really believe um, this particular uh, rehearsal of this theme has really blessed my heart recently. God is saying to me, Ranoff, you enter, need to enter into greater rest. Everyone say obedience. I'm going to stress this this week and next week. The key to rest is simple obedience. You know when you sin, you don't even sleep properly. Hmm? The moment you violate God's way of, or, or law, even your sleep is taken away from you. Right? David couldn't sleep. You must read some of his psalms after his great sin. Right? It, it affected every expression of rest, peace, and tranquility within his life. But I want to encourage us all. God is wanting us to be the depiction, the picture of rest. Amen? Hallelujah. Anxiety must be banished from this house. You know, you must get to a place where no matter what you're going through, that you don't even have the shakes, the jitters. It's like anxious and even that kind of expression, I want to speak peace and rest to you at every level of your life. The Bible even says, um, that, that man in Psalm 112, it says he doesn't even fear bad news. This man is so, he's, his heart is firm, it's fixed, it's trusting in the Lord. This, that, please write that psalm down. It says, um, oh, blessed is the man that fears you, etc., etc. It says um, his house is full of wealth and treasures, etc. And it says something about his children. It says about this thing about this man, that when he, his ears hear bad news, it says, he does not totter or he doesn't stumble, but it says, he doesn't fear bad news, but his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Amen? In the past when we, uh, we got bad news, remember how we were, we were thrown into disequilibrium, anxiety, how am I going to deal with this? I want, to, I want to encourage you, I want you to train your soul. Next time you're in the most fiery trial, or the most dire need. Just take a moment to, to command yourself. Say, so you will rest. You will not be thrown by this. You will consciously rest. You know, it's only from a position of rest you can navigate your way through. If you are in disequilibrium and you are anxious and you don't, you're not sober-minded, you're not thinking clearly, you're going to make the wrong decisions. You're going to do the wrong things. right? But your heart must be fixed Trusting in the Lord. So repeat to your neighbor, never again will I fear bad news. Never again will I fear bad news. Whether it comes by post, whether it comes by email, whether it comes by telephone call, whether it comes by personal delivery from someone, and, and a news that's going to rock your world. Look them in the eye. Please, Practice this. I'm going to practice myself. 
Next time you hear bad news, just quote that psalm say, my heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. My heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. Right? You're not saying, you're not, you're not, this is not like putting your head in the ground like an ostrich and you're living in self-denial. No, it's not denying the facts. Facts are there, but my view is on the Lord. My heart is fixed. Train your soul to come into a position of rest. I'll quote it later. Let me quote it now. First Peter says, First Peter 5. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? You don't say peace. The peace of God that passes all human understanding will keep two things. That will keep your heart and your soul, your mind. You know, the word keep there means to form a protective garrison, um, a protective wall around your mind. Peace is my fortress, protecting my mind against unrest. Amen? So be at rest. So the way we enter rest is simply accessing a principle of God's word, doing it. On day three, it's on day three, on page three. Uh, go to page four. I told you about obedience. Israel in Hebrews four and Hebrews three. Why could not Israel enter the promised land? Okay, you must know these things. Now there are two reasons. Why could not Israel enter the promised land? Uh, unbelief. The Bible says they couldn't enter because of unbelief and disobedience. Unbelief is a lack of faith and disobedience. So they had no faith to obey. Right? The Lord equates their failure to enter the promised land to a failure to enter the rest. Entry to their promised land was equivalent to entering their rest. They could not because of two things. So two things are going to keep you even from entering this position called the rest of God. It's a lack of faith. In, you can put fear and unbelief because fear and unbelief are bedfellows. Right? They, they're twins. Fear and unbelief. Whenever you have that fear and unbelief present, you will always disobey. Especially a difficult command that God is entering, leading you into. There are two, it just comes to my mind now, there are two Expressions of obedience that I want the house to master. The one is dealing with the flesh. Dealing with carnality. Be pure, be holy, be circumspect. Right? And we, they, we, we spent a long time in the series teaching that. That's the one thing. The next thing is to focus upon the pursuit, obeying in another level. Obeying in the pursuit of God into the, His destiny for your life. Okay? Some of us are struggling with disobedience on two levels. There's one group struggling with personal issues where you want to please God. And you're doing certain things in your life personally that displease Him related to your practical righteousness. That's one level. I'm saying master that because once you master that, God's going to speak to you on another level about possessing a land. And if when the command comes, Go up, go in, and possess the land. You still, at that point, cannot be contending with personal, practical, righteous issues. Right? You know what I believe? I believe their failure to enter was because they had not sufficiently prospered in their soul up to that point. There was still fleshly indulgence. And what does fleshly indulgence do? It wars against the soul. It vexes the soul like Lot did. What does it do? It makes the soul lean. Remember? 
Remember the mixed multitude? Mixed. So they came to the promised land with weak souls. You don't want to arrive at the edge of possessing your land and your soul is, in still, is still in need of major, major prospering, major renovation. I'm saying, God, I know you're going to call me to do certain things. You're going to ask me to do certain things. And I don't want to, at that stage, when you say, Randolph, go to the city and do this. I don't want to say, you remember Isaiah? He has this vision in, in Isaiah 6. And what, what was Isaiah's problem? He says, woe is me for I am. Yes, the, the command is, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he has a man still contending with personal righteousness issues. At that point, you don't want to be dealing so introspectively with your life. That should have been mastered long ago. Right? And just God is gracious. He will deal and, he, and he'll, 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 he'll work with us as far as those issues are concerned. But I, I want to speak to the house. An elevation in the spirit. Everybody must elevate to the next level. Amen? Tell your neighbor, be pure. I beg of you. Some of you are still entertaining impure thoughts. You're still entertaining impure inclinations. Stop that in the name of the Lord. Otherwise, when a serious command comes to you to, to, to venture into your, into your land, and you will fail at that point. And then God must say, no problem. I'll, I'll wait 40 years for some other, gener- another, another group to come up that has got the, the metal enough to take possession of what I'm leaving. You know, God's got time on his hands, but you don't. Tell some of you are old. Tell, tell your neighbor you're getting old. You know, when, when I think of myself, I'm 45 now. I'm saying, God, I don't even, I can't even afford at 45 to make a major blunder even morally in my life now and for the next five years spend redeeming my reputation before you can then say, Lord, now I'm ready to, to, to take you into the next level. We don't simply have the luxury of time in this dispensation. It's not about time. Our, our motivation is to please Him, is to serve Him honorably. Amen? So tell you never you don't have time on your hands. If you're going to get right, you're going to get right. Let me just say this. I challenge you in the name of the Lord. If you're going to get right, you don't have to wait for 11 o'clock at the end of the service. You get right now in your mind. Tell yourself, awake. You, 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 you can't even wait. We don't have the luxury of the next hour. That's how serious God is with us. Right? I don't want to come to the edge and there's a, a time to go into the next level and we're fumbling. Or even, listen carefully, I don't want to come to the edge and there's only two of us. And there are, there are ten negative voices but two positives. Right? The balance of power must swing to the positive. There must be more for than against. Amen. God could not lead the whole nation. You know, Caleb, I'll talk more about him next week. I feel sorry for the guy. Caleb and Joshua were the only two ready. The only two out of a couple of million people that God saw only two in the group are ready for this next level. But what did God do? God said, for the sake of the corporate entry, you two will have to suffer the process with them. I think of Caleb. He had to go wait another. I think of Caleb walking. This is all happening after 11 days, eh? after leaving Egypt. Caleb saying, you know, you guys, you're going to make me walk in this desert for another 40 years. 
before I come in and take what I could have taken 40 years earlier. That is why 80 years later, when, when Joshua gave him Hebron, he said, give it to me. I'm strong now as I was then. I'm well able to go up, go in and possess this inheritance that was promised to me. Amen? On page 5, oh, sorry, yeah, page 5, we looked at rebuilding the ruins, repairing the bridge, restoring the streets, raising up age-old foundations. In this context, God speaks um, to us who are apostolic people. These terms, repairing the breach, raising foundations, all apostolic terms. Eh? And God says, look at verse 13, if because of the Sabbath, Sabbath is rest here, the Sabbath principle. God is saying, if we reread this, analyze it in terms of our contemporary application, we're saying, the Lord says, if because of the rest principle, if I say to you the rest principle, what you must think is I must obey God's laws to come into rest. Right? God is saying if because you prioritize such a premium on the rest principle, God says if because of that desire, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on, on my holy day, calling and you call the Sabbath a delight, a premium, a priority, a holy day, honorable before the Lord, and you honor it desisting from your own ways. And from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word. In this verse, you have own ways, own pleasure, own word. Your own ways, your own pleasure, speaking your own words. Speaking your own words means you have your own opinion. Right? You have a view. God says, if you turn your foot away from pursuing your own, your own natural, soulish, carnal in inclinations, and you even... Stop speaking your own words, but you're up for echoing my principles or echoing the principles of your spiritual father and submitting to that. Then God promises this in verse 14. I will delight, you, you will take delight in the Lord. God says, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Everyone say elevation. God says, if you think about the earth, you know, this is the graphical picture. God says, I make you ride on the heights of the earth. It's a, it's, it's, it literally means a, a position of great power and influence where your sphere of impact is very wide. It's an elevated, ascendant position. Right? So it speaks of influence. Everyone say influence. And I really believe, you know, when we come into rest, part of the expression of prosperity of this house is I believe many of you are going to be highly influential in your fields. And come on, let's just pray. Just lift up your hands. We're we, we coupling this with prayer. I don't want just principles. Father, we just pray that you would elevate many in this house. And let them ride upon the heights of their industries. Elevate them. Promotion doesn't come from the east, your word says, nor the west. But promotion comes from you. Promotion comes from the Lord. Your word says in Psalm 75, you raise one up and you put another down. We will not strive to get ahead, but we want to relax in a mode of rest. And we want to receive divine doings from your hand. Your word said it. Your promotion comes from above. And even as we study this word this morning, Father, we feel in our spirits that this is the preserve. This is part of our inheritance. This is, we are privy to these things. So I speak a riding on the heights of the earth for all of us present. In the name of Jesus.
And I will feed you, the Lord says, the next part of the verse. I will feed you with the heritage. I will literally nourish you. Feed you means I will nourish you with the heritage of your father Jacob. Every blessing attendant with Jacob shall be yours in the name of the Lord. But that blessing only comes to two verses before. The verse speaks of repairing the breach. So mending all of your relationships. Right? Walking in freedom. Working in an apostolic mandate. And then it says in the next verse, turn your foot from doing your own thing and observe my rest principle. Obey and see what I will do with you, declares the Lord. Okay, quickly, let's run ahead. Um, the unique principle we did at the bottom of page 6, remember? Eunuchs were castrated, emasculated males. They were given the noble task of preparing the king's bride every time he would desire her to look at it. So it was an entrusted position with one of the prized possessions of the king, his wife. Right? This, this male had to have no carnal, fleshly, natural inclination towards the woman, the bride. Right? Um, for, for safety's sake, in those, in those times, his, his genitals were castrated. Right? Um, there was all sexual propensity was removed from him because of the nature of his task. So the bride fast is the church. The king is the Lord. We are eunuchs in the kingdom because God has entrusted us with the most privileged, noble position of preparing his bride to be presented to himself without spot or blemish. Those of us that function as eunuchs in the kingdom must live without any carnal or fleshly inclination. Must master that to function in this position. Right? The Lord says... That, look, look at it, verse, 58, verse 56, verse 4, Isaiah 56, verse 4. To the eunuchs who keep my rest. To function in this capacity, you have to function in the rest principle. To keep, to keep my Sabbath. God says, to them I will give, what? In my house and within my walls, a what? A memorial and a name better than that of sons. There's a name better than son. It's called eunuch. Hmm? Powerful, eh? So tell your neighbor there is a name better than son. And it's eunuch, okay? So those, those who are a function, you see the eunuch cannot produce his own offspring. He cannot produce something on the king's behalf using his own genes. He simply prepares the bride for intimacy with the king produces sonship after the king's DNA, after God's DNA, right? And that's what we, we live without ambition. Say no ambition. You know, I'm surprised how so many in the church are ambitious, 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 and you're striving in the fresh. I want to encourage you, simply rest and let God promote you. Don't seek to promote a name for yourself. Let God promote you in his time. The eunuch has got no ambition but to please his king, right? He lives in Total self-denial. Total self-denial. Okay? Let's go on. I want to talk today about the Noah principle. Quickly. The Noah principle. Now, Noah is... We have to just briefly look at him. You know why? Because his name means rest. The word Noah means rest. It means rest, repose, comfort, and consolation. And the reason why we must... Also study Noah because Jesus said, um, as it was in the days of 
Noah, so shall it also be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. Right? So the principles that way Noah's day ought to be in, in our day. Okay? Remember, um, Sean cajoled us about Job, a perfect man, circumspect, feared the Lord, hated evil, upright in his day. And those issues, please don't, remember, don't forget these things. Noah was a kind of man similar to Job as well. Everyone say the singular standard. Now it says, every man in the earth was wicked. Every man. The Bible says every man. It says, there was no one that was pure, upright, doing righteously. Only Noah. Noah was one man, a singular, singular expression of righteousness that changed God's mind to destroy the earth. God said, the heart and the intention of man's heart is evil continually. Read it in the, in the book of Genesis. It's not just evil sometimes. It says it's evil continually. Then the Bible says, the Lord repented. You are sorry. God says, I'm sorry that I actually made this species called man. Look, to the, look at the depths to which he's degenerated. So God says, I will destroy. I just love the Bible. Eh? But Noah. Next verse, but Noah. God is like God was about to destroy everything. Then the Lord says, but. There's, there's someone here that's recruiting my attention. I can't go through it. My original plan to destroy everyone. It says, but Noah found grace in the, eyes of the, in the eyes of the Lord. The expression of one man's righteousness changed God's mind. Hmm? Remember Samuel was so upright in his day. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel's life. One man's expression of practical righteousness brought immunity to the whole nation. So long as Samuel was alive, no Philistine could attack Israel. And Samuel reigned for a long time as a judge over Israel. No Philistine. He brought immunity to his world. Think about it. No war means no fighting. No fighting means peace. No war means rest. One man, let me just say, this is where we're going. I want each one of you to master rest. You know why? where we're going with this? Because you're going to have the capacity to bring rest to your world. Singular representation will impart rest to a whole corporate community. Even like it was embedded within Noah's name, the meaning of his name. Okay? Look at Genesis 5 verse 29. Now he called his name Noah. This is Lamech. Uh, Noah, Lamech is Noah's father. Lamech, I think his name means he overpowers or overthrows, etc. Remember Methuselah was Lamech's, I think Methuselah was Lamech's father. Methuselah means when he's dead it will be sent. Remember? He who lives in the culture of death as an apostolic sent mandate when he is dead. So we get Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. There's the generations of Noah. So when he is dead, it will be sent. Methuselah. He lives in the culture of self-denial and death to the flesh. When he does that, he has an apostolic mandate. He begets one, Lamech, who has the power to overthrow, the power to overcome. Lamech begets a son called Noah. And check why Lamech names Noah, Noah. Genesis 5 verse 29. Read this carefully. This is an inheritance that God has for this house. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one, 
will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord God cursed. Now, if you only have a revelation of that verse, did God curse the ground? Yes, after the sin. And in fact, the curse was now you're going to work. Not that work, man always had to work. But the curse was that work would be by the sweat of your brow. It will not be work in grace. Now we're working in rest. Lamech, I can just think this boy, his wife gives birth. He holds his boy in his hands. And the Holy Spirit, he begins to prophesy. And he says, this one. Everyone say this one. Um, I won't have time to prove it. But he did have other sons, either after or before Noah. Many of them. But because the guys lived long periods of time back then. I just heard on the radio today, the oldest, Chinese, oldest woman today on the earth is a Chinese woman, 115 years old, still alive. The oldest man just died yesterday, I think. He was 111, something like that. Right? In this economy, these guys lived like 900 some odd years so that lots of time to have lots of children. <laughs> okay? They, they don't count years. They count how many centuries are you? How many centuries are you? Yeah, we count how many years. How, how, how old are you? How many, how many seas are you? <laughs> okay. That's what, that's what these were. Now, the point is, he had many children, but this one. There's, there's many children, but there's this one in the group. And when he takes Noah in his arm, he says, this one. I just love this phrase, this one. This one will give us rest. So I call his name Noah. In fact, he is saying, we've been working by the sweat of our brow all these 900 centuries, centuries now since Adam because of the original sin. But there's a man in the earth that when he comes into play, he's going to cause us to desist from the culture of work by sweat. And we're going to enter into the rest of God. Call his name Noah. Then Lamech lived 595 years. How's that? Almost 600 years. And he became the father of Noah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 700 and... So it seems when he was 595 years old, he had Noah. <laughs> I think he had lots of sons before that. Because it doesn't say whether he had the others either before or after. It just says and he had other sons. And he died at 777. That's a nice number, 777, not 666. This is the perfect death. Okay. 777. Right? So he is dying. Noah is, still, Noah is still living. And Noah was 500 years. And so he begets Noah. Right? And Noah, he fathers him for at least more than a century. If you work the maths out here. Yeah? So he's imparting the overthrowing. In fact, I believe he's imparting Methuselah and Lamech anointing into Noah. He's imparting the principle of when he's dead, it will be sent. Methuselah, Lamech, I'm the one who overthrows, overcomes into this boy. Right? Noah. You know the story. Noah builds an ark commanded by the Lord. Hebrews 11 says, let me quote it to you. Hebrews 11 says this. Listen carefully. Verse 7. It says, by faith, Noah, being w moved with fear, being warned of God, 
prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah, being warned of God, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his, of his house. And you know, you know the principle. So what I really want to encourage us is, I really believe this. You know, the power of representation is so powerful. What one man attains can be accorded to an entire community of people. That's the power of representation. Uh, Romans 5 says, by one man's sin, many were made righteous, uh, unrighteous. By one man's obedience, Christ, many will be made, many will be made righteous. The power of representation. It works for good and for bad. Achan's sins, God says, not one man's sin, Israel's sin. Power of representation. When, Ad, when Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, who was in his loins? Levi was in the loins of Abraham. Power of represent. When he tithes, he represents the whole Levitical tribe. Right? If you understand who Levi was, Levi, the Bible says, was the firstborn tribe. Levi occupied the firstborn principle. So firstborn represents the rest of the family. So when Levi tithes, who does God see? Not just Levi, God sees all of Israel. So when Levi is in Abram, who pays tithes to Melchizedek, it is literally a representation of the entire nation. One man's righteousness in Samuel's day brings immunity to a whole nation. What did God say to, to Abram? If I can just find one clean one in Sodom, I will not. God says, if one can just stand before me, I will, I will spare the whole. So if, everyone say the power, power of one. Come on, say the power of one. And I want everyone to come up to a new mentality. Especially if you're a leader in some respect. Leo is a leader of his company. Uh, many of you in your workplaces, some of you own your own businesses here. But even if you're working for somebody else, you have a sphere of influence. Quinton's the leader of all of his classrooms at school. So is Shimon and other teachers here. Clay has a sphere of influence. You in your workplace has a sphere of influence. I really want to encourage you now to start thinking representationally. Say to God, God, and this is where I'm at now. Sometimes I, I, I complain to God, God, why aren't the people complying? Why aren't people obeying? God has been speaking to me lately. God saying, change your focus because you'll never get everybody to where you want them to be at the same time. You just focus on being the representation because when I see you, I will deal with them. How your representation stands before me, I will accord to them things that you have attained. Hmm? I will accord to the group the attainment of one. The power of representation. Lamech gives birth to Noah. Lamech looks prophetically at this boy. This one. Okay, I've been, I've been on the earth for almost 600 years. 995 years bringing children. This one is born, and I suddenly see in him the power to reverse the curse that God gave to Adam. You know, the fact that it wasn't reversed shows how we can come so close to the fulfillment of a God intention. And because of disobedience, we lose it. Hmm? We lose it. And I really want to encourage you. Confer rest, righteousness, immunity upon your family if you're the head of a household. Right? Confer peace in any sphere of impact or sphere of influence that you have. Would you do this? Amen? 
Just lift your hands to the Lord. Repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you that I'm your representation in my world. And I ask you with my hands lifted up, when you see me, deal with my sphere. I will be your representation. I will break the curse in my world. In Jesus' name. Amen. You've got you to arm yourselves with these things. No, I had this understanding. This one. Everyone say this one. Now tell your neighbor, you're the one. Look at now. How the, it's fine to say all these things, but how are we going to get there? What was the ilk, the DNA, the character, the makeup, the metal of Noah? Because who he was positions him for all of these things. You know, everyone say perish. Say prosper. What do you want? Do you want perish or prosper? Because a whole world, all the inhabitants of the earth, perished here. This, this noic, I call it the noic, this noic principle is representing the world, has the power, listen carefully, to even reverse a curse God pronounces in Genesis. Yet the earth perishes. Yet people die in a massive flood because they did not listen. Peter calls. Peter, when he writes about Noah, you must read Peter's thoughts about Noah. When Peter writes about Noah, Peter calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. It says to which the people were disobedient in his day. Disobedience aborts the rest principle. Yes, one who is the embodiment of rest. Now, what was Noah like? Let's read it. Genesis 6. But Noah found gr- favor. If, above favor, you can write the word grace. Found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, these are the records of the generation of Noah. I just love the statement. These are the records of the generation of Noah. And now, straight after someone says something like that, you would expect to see Shem. Ham and Japhet, Noah's sons. His generation first does not start with what he produced in sonship. His generational description of his lineage starts with his character. Kind of person he was, not what he produced. Right? Listen carefully. Noah wasn't primarily after the production of sons or things. He was after the production of a character that will change his world. Bring yourself into rest. By bringing yourself into Christ-like character. And, you know, I just like this. I want to read it again just because it thrills me every time I read this. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. How is that for a CV? Eh? How is that for a CV? Jordan must have on your CV. On your epitaph, your tombstone, when you die and they bury you, on your epitaph, they must write, here lies Jordan, a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. Nothing more, nothing less. Look at the next page. I've listed um, several principles that you must think about. I won't have time to discuss them each. Each of these is like a sermon in itself. I've listed them for your own study. What must you embody to be like this person that brings rest, not just to yourself, but rest to your world? I'm even thinking, 
You know, I, I often, any parent would be concerned about the destiny of their kids, my natural kids, Matthew, Liam, Luke, and Ray. And I pray for them often. God must guide them. Right? Now I'm praying with even more fervor that God not only will it be well with them, they will become significant people in the year, right? but also by the, the power of my representation before you, it's going to go well with them. I confer blessing upon them. Amen? Um, remember this, Aris, did you, did you read the prophecy that we received from Mike two or three weeks ago concerning me? It was emailed to you. One of the things he said, um, your, your optimum presently is going to become the toehold for the next level. Toehold is, is like a, what? what uh, it's, it's like a place from which you, you anchor your foot to gain a leap forward to the next level. Right? So he's saying, the prophecy said this, your, your present optimum is actually the toehold. It's like the foundation. It's like roof, the present height, the roof. The roof is now going to become the foundation and go to the next level. Right? And I'm saying everything must elevate. And I really want to encourage you. Have no fear about the destiny of your kids. Parents, I'm talking to parents. Have no fear about how will they end up. Take your stand before God. Say, lift up your hands if you do whatever you have to. Say, God, look at me. I believe your word. I'm blameless. I walk with you. I'm righteous in my day. Right? I'm walking circumspectly before you. When you look at me, deal with them. In your grace, in your mercy, Job did this. Every day he made sacrifices for his kids. Right? And you, by your representation, you confer a blessing upon your children. Amen? All the kids stand quickly. Let's do this. Quickly. All the kids. If you think you're a kid, stand. I, I, I decree, I know that your parents are righteous before the Lord. And the representation will grow. Even the, the children that are here. But I, I I've done this before, but I decree it will be well with you. Amen? It will be well with you in the Lord. And many of you in your own time are going to grow up to be powerful men and women of God. And when God sees you, God's going to deal kindly with your world. You're going to be the change agent. You're going to be the catalyst that's going to configure how God deals with the earth. If you think about it carefully, God wanted to judge the earth, not so, destroy the earth. He was about to, but one man changed his mind in terms of how God positions himself in reference to the earth. Right? And, and God gave them, how long was the ark constructed for? 100, 120 years, okay? Plus minus 120 years. It took that long to build it. It took that long to preach every day. God's grace, anyone who is willing, come into the structure, you will be safe. Right, And um, I really believe God gave the world grace. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And I really believe all of you will become preachers of righteousness. Right? I also want to assert my authority in the Lord over you as your father, spiritual father as it were. And I want to declare over you, all of you will be preachers, speakers of the word of the Lord. All of you. Tell, tell your neighbor I'm a preacher. A keruks. Keruks is the Greek word for preacher. Tell your neighbor, I'm a, I'm a herald. I'm a herald. Come on, Clayton, say it like you mean. I'm a preacher. Amen.
Rest does not imply laziness. Rest does not imply lethargy. In fact, in rest you do work. Paul says, I work, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. But you're working according to a divine principle. Okay? But I really want to encourage you all. Start to practice becoming the, the picture of rest. Amen? Now, I'm making a new law in this house. I'm not saying be fake, but assert the principle. You can be, you can be emerging from the most fiery trial, but you still have a smile on your face. You're still pleasant. You're not sour. You're still the picture of rest. You're not being a hypocrite by being false. One heart in a different face, but you're asserting this in all the entirety of your life. Right? So, tell your neighbor, you're going to be looking at the picture of rest. So now it's illegal for you to look anxious. Hard, eh? It's illegal for you to look worried. How is it, wives, husbands, waking up every day to a restful face? Going to bed every day, the last sight you see is one of tranquility, peace, composure. Amen? Your wife, your spouse, your husband will be the most blessed person on the earth. Amen? Make your home, make your haven. A place of, of rest. Remember the Hebrew word manak for rest indicates a home. A home should be your haven. The place you run to from the stresses of life in the world. Can I ask you, even do some things practically. Maybe change the color scheme of your house inside. Have some, some pastels, restful colors. Pastels. Okay? Just look the picture of calm. Amen? Not harm. He had faith. Everyone say faith. By faith, Noah, it says. By faith. This man knew the principle of faith. And faith is always about sight into the unseen realm. Quickly. He had a fear. I like this. This is very important for me. He feared God and he had a reverence for God. It says, Noah moved with fear, being warned of God. He had his reverence and a respect for God. Never lose that. He's focused on the family characteristic of the church. The Bible says him and his household. Prepare an ark for the saving of his house. You know what? Noah is the eighth person. Right? Noah and his family, eight, were saved. And only eight were saved. Remember the Sunday school song we used to sing? Eight people were saved. Eight is the number of new beginnings. God shuts down one era, kills godlessness, lawlessness. And you, think about it. The whole human race now starts again all over with Noah. The progenitor now of humanity is one that's the picture of rest. Right? So he's the start of, and how have we gone? We've departed from that principle. That's why Psalm 116 verse 7 says, Return to your rest, O my soul. Rest is a spiritual position to which the soul must deliberately return because it has departed from there. This last two and we'll, we'll finish. He built accurate structure. Some of you need to start to build accurate structure. Everyone say structure. Tell you never build something. You see, he who is at rest is always a builder of structure. Now, um, maybe Leo can help us with this at, a, at, a, at another session which we'll 
do, but what I want you to do, please email me. I want to, I want to tweak your minds now. Email me in the course of the next two weeks. What are some of the practical things you can do now? You know, some of us are not in rest because we are bad planners. Just a simple story. You, you're living with anxiety because you didn't plan properly. Right? Something, a, okay, simple example. Your appointment is at 10 o'clock. You're leaving at 10 to 10. It's 10 kilometers away. You are now not in rest. You're in stress. You're not in rest. You're in stress because you're speeding on the, on the highway. You're breaking not only God's law, you're breaking South African law. Cop stops you in a flutter, costs you money. You're paying money that you didn't have to. Maybe along the way you hit a motorcyclist off his, and there's a lawsuit against you. And maybe you do arrive at your appointment. Huh? But the point is, bad planning caused unrest and stress in your life. Just, 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 you know, what I want you to do is think of all practical sub-principles relative to the rest principle. Things you can do practically, practically in your life. I've got a few ideas which I'll share with you at the next session. But practical things you can do in your life to bring you into greater rest. Amen? Poor planning prevents... What did I say? Proper planning prevents poor performance. If you simply plan for your life properly, you can relieve a whole lot of unrest in your life. Not so? And the thing about rest is... Take a principle like God did, install it into your creative world, exit it, let the principle work for you, and you are in peace. You are in absolute, in absolute peace. Amen? So would you do that? Think of some practical things. Because this is not all spiritual. There are some things we can just change in our lives. And we will be more peaceful. Right? Have better sleeps. Right? Some of you need to build up your marriages by just earmarking every Tuesday evening. It'll only cost you 200 yen, rand yen, olive and oil. Special for couples, 200 rand. Um, what's the special? Crayfish, prawns. For 200 rand, invest in your marriage. You'll have a better marriage thereafter. Right? Do something practical. You enter into, I'm just, that's a joke, but a serious joke. <laughs> okay? Doesn't cost much. Hmm? Hallelujah. Plan, 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 plan. Some of you will come into greater financial risk by being observant, obediently to the principles of tithes, first fruits, offerings. Some of you can even drop your expenditure by just being more wise in, in curbing your monthly expenditure. Hmm? We, we started putting our gears off past few months now already. We're not in use. We're saving a lot of money every month. We only put it on uh, early in the morning and about four or five until we probably put it off again. Cut our electricity bill almost half. What, what am I doing? I don't want to have the burden of financial stress every time I get this bill every month. Jesus, help us. Now I'm smiling. I can't wait when I see that Think company. Let me see how much I've saved this month. Right? What am I doing? I've come into rest simply by observing a principle, put it into place. I'm a greater peace. 
So what I want to encourage you, think of, think of various domains. Think relationally, spiritually. Think about your retirement. Think about what things can you do so that when you come into a realm, you come into it de-stressed. Right? God hasn't called us to stress. God has called us to rest. Okay, last two. Obedience. Right? The Bible says, and Noah did. Genesis 6.22. And Noah did what the Lord asked him. Simple obedience. Amen? Hallelujah. 